0: That's who. By the Andy Moore automotive group, Highline, 17 year NBA vet NBA today. That's weekdays four until seven serious XM NBA radio. You can find him there. You can find him. I'm assuming here in town, because back in the nineties, spent a couple of seasons here. We're talking about Eddie Johnson who joins us now. Hello, Eddie. How are you? I'm well. Yourself? I love talking about you. And I love talking about guys that I grew up really loving. And you, for being a shot maker anywhere on the floor. I mean, now, like, anybody makes shots everywhere. But you were like others that any spot on the floor was yours. And, you know, there's always been this whole microwave mentality. He's going to come in and he can put, you know, immediate points on the board. You have always been, to me, part of that group. And even with the evolution of the NBA, you look back to the era in which you played. You have to look at that, especially as I do as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, thank thank you for the compliment. But, yeah, I mean, obviously it's just a, the era I I grew up in, man. I, I, but obviously, I grew up in an era where, you know, you had to be able to shoot the ball in all spots on the floor. Uh, and today's game is a little bit different. You know, you got guys that just shoot threes. You got guys that just post up. A little bit one-dimensional at that. Uh, analytics tries to put them in the spots where they can do damage. And I would have gotten a headache if I had to deal with all that stuff. Man. Uh, they just give <laughs> well, me the ball, man, and yes. I'll score. It's like I go exactly. wherever I am. If I'm 15 feet, if I'm 22 feet, just give it to me. On either side, I'll score. And that was our mentality as basketball players. And uh, so it's a little bit different in today's game.
0: So uh, Eddie Johnson with us from NBA and Sirius Radio, it's a former nba on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, the other thing that sticks out to me is now really on all levels, I mean, you are put in a category where you also have to get the ball to anywhere you want on the floor, too. It's not so much the passing game, the crisp passing it is, for somebody off the dribble to be able to get to any place on the floor as well. That's another change that we have seen. It kind of goes from great team-wise passing to just somebody dribbling to get to that spot on the floor for them or a teammate. That's also how it's changed.
1: Yeah, and it's a change, obviously, I don't like uh, because I just truly believe that you can get to your spot, and then when you get there, the ball gets to you, and you don't have to do anything but shoot. And in today's game, you're correct. I mean, guys are more wanting to get to that spot on their own instead of off the ball. And that's why when we watch Curry play, you know, Steph Curry play we're just like, we're amazed, and we throw out so many accolades because we don't see that anymore. And when I watch Steph play, it's like – I did that all the time. You know, when Reggie Miller would see stuff through okay. that, I did that all the time. Ray Allen, yeah. I did that all the time. I mean, Kiki Vanderway. I mean, tremendous guys that played off the ball did it all the time. And in today's game, I think it's a lack of trust at times where coaches don't want the ball to hit multiple hands. They'd rather keep it in the hands of that guy and let him create. And uh, at times, it kind of bogs down the game uh, but the guys in today's game you have to give them credit a lot of guys that are excellent at putting that ball down and getting to their spot it's, uh, Eddie Johnson who joins
0: us NBA All-Star weekend I guess officially kind of unofficially getting underway we're a Brothers downtown on Meridian with Michelob Ultra and NBA Jam I, I was talking to Chris Finch yesterday who was on the show the Western Conference All-Star coach the head coach at Minnesota and I kind of jokingly Eddie said hey um, Do you have any plays, you know, diagrammed up? You're going to go to the playbook at the beginning of the game. And I said, it'd be funny if you like called like some uh, motion flex offense out for these guys. And then they wouldn't know what the hell they were going to do because you got to run around a little bit and get a pass. And there's not a lot of dribbling. We had a laugh about that. I said, hey, maybe just go ahead and go with a high ball screen. That's where you initiate basically every offense nowadays and go with that, huh?
1: Yeah, well, basically, I think based on what we've seen over the last few years, and I hope it changes this year, we've just seen guys take the ball out of bounds. Whoever got the ball out of bounds went down and shot. Uh, it's just been that kind of game. I'm hoping that, you know, the, the changes that the NBA has made uh, over the last year, especially, that these guys will put more value in the game and, and be more competitive for uh, at least 36 minutes of the game uh, instead of, like, the last five. So that's what I'm hoping for. But, yeah, it's just difficult to really put in a, a system. I think, if anything, he'll he'll design a play doing timeouts, you know, maybe put an out-of-bounds play in. But other than that, these are all-stars. These are guys that the, are the alpha dogs on their team. And so they're very smart, and they know exactly what it's going to take to get themselves a chance to win. So uh, Eddie Johnson
0: is with us. I, I can't remember. I know you've seen the Pacers a couple of times live this year. Uh, we talked to Frank Vogel back when you guys were in town about three weeks ago. Um, but what do you make from what you have seen? Uh, and I'm talking about in this case, Eddie, the evolution of, of the Pacer star Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to start his first NBA All-Star game. A lot of accolades certainly coming his way. You know, he's that defining piece certainly of a growing Pacer team. What do you think about the evolution of his game to where it is right now?
1: Yeah, the, the, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of accolades, and, and people obviously are marveling over the way the Pacers are playing, uh, the way Rick Carlisle has gotten these guys to buy in, to be in top shape pushing the ball every time whether it's a make or a miss and that's why I think Carlisle is definitely at the, up there at the top in regards to coach of the year uh, based on what he's done but Halliburton man look he he's fundamentally sound and that's the one thing I don't hear enough of when it comes to him like he's fundamentally sound meaning that he puts himself in the right position to make the right pass whether he's got to take an extra dribble to the right or left whether he gives a ball fake all of those things that you're taught in high school and a lot of these guys have forgotten it, but he has held on to it. And now he's using it to his advantage and he's just embarrassing people with his fine play. You know, he's throwing up fifteen assists and not getting one turn on. Yeah, difficult that is. Like those are the things that I'm more impressed with than anything past the scoring. Uh, I just think he's a tremendous young player, and just to think that Sacramento had he and De'Aaron Fox on the same team. And when you watch <laughs> both of them play, you realize that, yeah, that, that was the right thing for Sacramento to do. Because one of those they, one of those guys would be holding the other back. These two guys are alpha dogs. They needed to be on their own team. And right now, they're showing it. Uh, but Halliburton, man, he's, he's, he's fun to watch, man. And He's a guy to my own heart because he talks a lot of smack, and I love it.
0: (laughs) Eddie Johnson joins us. NBA Today, that's weekdays, 4 until 7 on Sirius XM. NBA Radio, he's with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You know, you mentioned that deal with Sacramento and the Pacers. I I mean, really, as much as Sacramento needed to unload somebody to go with one because both just wasn't going to work for them, the same thing can be said about the Pacers with Sabonis and with Turner. I mean, somebody was going to have to go. And rarely do you see these deals work out as well as this deal has worked out for both teams.
1: Yeah, no, you're correct. You're correct. Uh, you know, I guess after you see it hindsight, you kind of wish that, man, I wish they, I wish these two could have really coexisted together. To look how good we'd be. But a lot of times it just does, doesn't work that way. Uh, the other guy needs his freedom. He needs the confidence to know that he's the guy. And uh, he's the guy that can lead. And that's exactly what both of them are doing. Miles Turner is playing an excellent brand of basketball, he's using his big bodies to set screens, put himself in the way. And in putting himself in the way, he's getting high percentage shots. Probably the most high percentage shots he's gotten in his career so far. And look, I understand. You know, look, when you when you're a professional man, everything's not gonna go smoothly. And I know he dealt with over a few years where he was always mentioned in trade rooms, but that's okay this part of it. And I really, really respect his professionalism through it all. Uh, I didn't hear much chatter back from him at all. Uh, and then ultimately, the Pacers rewarded him in season. And you don't see that much. You don't see a player being rewarded in season. And uh, to me, it just said a lot about his character and his leadership on that team.
0: You know what, Eddie, too, when you talk about you know all the the trade rumors that he was a part of so much. The other thing was, too, you go back a couple of summers ago and the Pacers signed DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet, which yeah. I joke about all the time with Chad Buchanan, the general manager, because I, I like when want a copy of that. I mean, you've got to be glad, considering what he has gone through, certainly in his time so far in Portland, that it didn't work out the way that evidently at that moment, maybe the Pacers thought it was going to work out.
1: Right, exactly. You know, sometimes be careful what you wish for, right, in a lot of ways. But I understand, the, you know, the, obviously the love affair with DeAndre at that time, uh, he was part of that Sun team that went to the finals. And he was one of the major reasons uh, in the earlier rounds how the Suns got to the finals. So I, I can understand that. Uh, the league is very talented. And, you know, no one is bigger than the other. There's only a few players in this game that separates themselves from everybody and you can say, well, we'll never trade him, right? But it's not that many. And so I I tell people all the time, I mean, you're hired to be fired and you're signed to be traded, and you just never know. Uh, There's always somebody that's going to look better than you and going to get the attention of someone else. And it could be right or it could be wrong, Uh, but that's just the case. So what you have to do as a professional Go out there and do your job every damn night, man. That's it. You know, it's a short career anyway. You're going to play. If you're lucky, you'll get 12 years in. If you're blessed, you'll get 17 in like I did. Okay? You'll get, what, 18 in like Reggie Miller did. I mean, it's like everybody doesn't get that opportunity to play that long. And so what you do is don't worry about the stuff around it. Just go enjoy the game that you love. So Eddie Johnson from Sirius XM
0: NBA radio, the 17 year NBA vet is on the Andy Moore automotive crew line. Part of those 17 years that we're talking about spent in Seattle with the supersonics. Do you think that Seattle will ever get a franchise back again?
1: Without a doubt. It's inevitable without a doubt. It's Cause I believe when the league does go to expansion, they're going to have to put two teams in uh, because it'll be an uneven conference. So I just truly believe they'll put two teams in. And both of them will be on the West Coast. It'll be uh, Seattle and Vegas. And then they got to decide which team they're going to move from the West to the East. And it's going to be probably between uh, New Orleans, uh, Minnesota, and probably Memphis. And so I I believe that's what's going to happen. And I think it's going to happen sooner than later tell you what iconic iconic logos colors
0: and it, it's still to me it, it is still shocking to me that they don't have that one of the the most noted franchises yeah, in the I'll, nba I'll, I'll, for so many years
1: yeah oh well, I'll, I'll be a little bit more straightforward it was a joke yeah like, yeah that team should okay. have never moved like i i was on the, i was on a, a team in kansas city okay i understand why they moved Like, I was on the team that moved from Kansas City to Sacramento. I understand why we moved. Like, we were only having maybe 2,500 to 3,000 fans. We are the arena, Kemper Arena, which was a nice arena, but it was by the stockyards. I'm driving the games, and I'm hearing animals being slaughtered. Like, you know, it just wasn't in a good place. It just wasn't, you know... It just wasn't right. And I understand that move. I have no idea why the Seattle Sonics moved out of Seattle. Now, I knew they needed a new arena and all of that, and it was an issue. But that's one of the best fan bases I've ever played in front of. And it's just a travesty that they don't have a team. And they're going to get one, Say that. And when they get one, it'll be probably one of the most difficult places to go play a game because there was nothing like that fan base when I played there.
0: He is Eddie Johnson with us. One final thing before I let you go. I know when you came out of Illinois, um, you were drafted by, as you mentioned, Kansas City and the Kings. Uh, I'm assuming you go far back. I don't know this for certain. You go far back with Mike Woodson.
1: Uh, it's kind of funny, right? I'm actually sitting here at lunch with him right now. You're and not I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him holding his grand his grandkid. Yeah. Oh yeah. He looks like a little kid right now. I mean. I didn't even know he can hold a baby anymore. (laughs) He he hears me (laughs) talking. uh, No, he's one of my best friends in the world, man. And uh, we've been close forever. And uh, competing, obviously, with Indiana, even though we didn't like each other. Uh, But, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he and I go way back.
0: Yeah. And uh, obviously in, in Kansas City, when you were at Illinois and you played at Assembly Hall in Bloomington, obviously at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette. How does it compare? You talked about Seattle being, you know, a raucous environment. and will be again soon. But how about both in Bloomington and West
1: Lafayette for you? Say it again. I'm sorry. I didn't hear the last part.
0: Um, the the environments at Assembly Hall in Bloomington in the early '80s for you, and Mac Arena in West Lafayette for the early '80s Unreal. for you, compared Unreal. to Come you know on. the most fired up audiences, uh, I, I guess arenas you've ever played
1: at. No, Big Ten was first and foremost. Man. Like playing in the Big Ten, man. I tell young kids if, if they're interested in going to Big Ten, you're not gonna find a better. Uh, conference, you're not going to find a better environment to go compete and prove yourself. Uh, And the Big Ten historically has always been a good bridge to the NBA because of the physicality, because of the way the officials allow you to play. And for me, there's no way that I play in the league as long as I did or been mature enough to, to make it if it wasn't for the Big Ten. If it wasn't for me having to go into Mackey Arena, if it wasn't for me to have to come to Bloomington and have to deal with that crowd, and Bobby Knight over there looking at you, and then obviously going to Iowa uh, and hearing them stomp uh, where our lockers were below the floor and hearing them stomp, and we couldn't even do our team meeting. I mean, please. I mean, it's just, I tell kids, it's the best conference in the country. And uh, now it's not 10 anymore. What was it, about 15? I don't even remember. I don't even know now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. But just a great environment. Yeah. It's,
0: uh, Eddie Johnson, well, I'm going to let you get back to lunch with Mike Woodson. you guys talking basketball or are you staying far away from it?
1: No, no, he, no, he and I don't really talk too much basketball. I'm obviously I'll be, I'm, I'm going to my first game. Uh, and they play Northwestern on Sunday. i I'm obviously I'm here for all the all-star festivities, but you know, we don't really talk basketball We're around each other, you know, we just talk about everything else. And, uh, that gives him his opportunity to relax. Cause I know he's got a pressure cooker job, uh, obviously at his alma mater and, uh, just want his players to get healthy uh, so he can put that product on the floor that he knows that can get them wins. So Eddie
0: Johnson, 17-year NBA veteran, NBA today on Sirius XM, NBA radio. Uh, in town and heading to Bloomington to watch Northwestern and IU coming up on Sunday. Down in Bloomington. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, it's a pleasure. I, I could talk ball with you forever. Um, and thank you for handing out the time and allowing us to speak with you today. And, hell, we'll do it again soon if you have a couple of minutes again. to
1: and go even further. I appreciate you. Well, hey, look, anytime I can talk Big Ten stuff, man, you can always call me. All right? Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Okay. All righty. Okay. Take care.
0: It, it is uh, Eddie Johnson on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline.